This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. You know what this reminds me of this season? The 2006-2007 Buffalo Sabres. And follow me here, because this is going to sound weird, but that season was not nearly as enjoyable for a lot of people as this season the year before, the 2005-2006 season. Now, keep in mind, the team in 06-07 won the President's Cup as the best team in the NHL and also made it to the conference finals, just like they did the year prior. But because the bar was so high, people were so much more hung up on all of the ups and downs of a season and of a playoff run and all of that stuff, rightfully so. For the Bills... The bar is the Super Bowl. So when you start to slip even a little bit, I mean, five and four, there's a lot of teams that would kill to be five and four. They have certainly not met their expectations or even come close to it. But we don't know how the story ends yet. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I'll give you another I'll give you another example of why your 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 example is appropriate. I think everyone in 07 kind of knew it might be. That's it for Mm -hmm. Breer and Drury. Yeah, because they left on July 1st. And, and the window was shutting on that team, and the angst was grown. Here, mm-hmm. it's not Josh Allen, but it's – is this – what does this look like after the season for different players? Mm-hmm. You know, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Von Miller, Tredavious White with the injury. You know, I mean, what does this roster look like? How do they continue going forward? Because it's not going to be the same group. They're getting older. So you talk about window, that 06-07 season, part of the reason why what you're saying is right. It's not like today's Sabres, which are all these young guys under contract – It was, we better win now. We're not going to have these guys next year. And I think there's some of that creeping in here in Buffalo, of course. Yeah. But I think we've had the word continuity brainwashed into our heads for so long that maybe there is something to be said about, I don't want to say wiping the slate clean, Mm -hmm. but 
having some meaningful changes at positions where things have just gotten a little stale. That's what I felt about Leslie Frazier leaving. I've thought about this. I I don't disagree. That's not a knock on Leslie Frazier. I think Leslie Frazier is a good coach, but I think they just needed some fresh ideas and they just got stale. And that's honestly how I felt about the offense, even though it's only been a year and a half at this point of Ken Dorsey. I'm like, I I don't know. It just does not feel like they have these creative, innovative ways of – putting up points and sustaining drives, and maybe they just need a new opinion, which is drastic. I realize that. I've heard people say in the past, and I think there is something to it, that like the quarterback-coach marriage should never be longer than five years because after that, you're just kind of going through the motions. Even if you've had success like the Bills have had with McDermott and Josh Allen, it's like, well, maybe you have not untapped all of the potential that is there. I mean, you know, there's cases where like Tom Brady and – Bill Belichick were not ever breaking up during that run or Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but it makes you wonder, like, I don't know what happens this year. What happens long-term? What happens if these expectations are not met? I don't know, but something will happen. It's an interesting point. Interesting question. Pretty, pretty philosophical to kind of go into it because see, I I get, I, I, I write, I absolutely admit to like, I oftentimes err on the side of it's not the coaches. There's so much more. It can be the coaches, but there's so much more to this. It's not just bam, bam, fire everybody. I get mm-hmm. that totally. But I also agree with you that change can be good and change can sometimes change is needed. In fact, I remember one time I was in a classroom. I actually started to, I, did, I didn't follow through with it. I, one time I thought I was, I wanted to be like a administrator in school when I was a teacher, right? I was like, Oh, assistant principal, principal, whatever at some point. But I was going through a, these ed leadership courses, education leadership, and I had a teacher who said this to me one time. She said, "In any career, really, you should tr- you should basically have some significant change every five six years at the most in every career. It's good for everybody. It's good for you. It's good for the people around you." And I think about that sometimes. And what you're saying is probably true in some capacity. I just don't know how far to go with that because. What I ultimately fear, Matt, is I see. I think Sean McDermott is an excellent NFL coach. I do. To win at the level he's won at, to sustain it for as long as he has for seven years now, is pretty remarkable. You don't get that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if you want to say let's change, because Josh Allen isn't changing, right? We know that he's not changing. Mm-hmm. We're not. They're not getting rid of Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So to your point of, well, the coach quarterback marriage. All right, what does that look like then? So if you change out the coach. Talking head coach here. Who's the head coach of this team? And I get death. I get really afraid of like that that part of it because they've had they've had so much success. I don't want to go back to what it was for 17 years, Matt. Yeah, but what if that success is capped? That's and I don't the- know. I don't know. That's what you have to decide. I guess it can be. There's no I'm not I'm not dismissing the notion it can't be. Tell mm-hmm. me who's gonna have that sustained success that they've had with the way this organization's run. I don't know. It's like what the Golden State Warriors had to do with Steve Kerr, right, to ultimately get over the hump and then go on the run that they went on. It's like you had to make a change even though things were pretty good, and it was a risk, and you did not know how that was going to work. And and I'm not suggesting that the Bills do that. I think that they have built a resume and a track record that has earned them, honestly, a bigger margin for error and probably a couple screw-ups. Like, let's say we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. These are off-season podcast conversations. But if this team misses the playoffs, 
I do not think they are firing their head coach. I, I really do not. If it happens twice, then that's a different conversation. But even that, I think they might be able to survive because of what they were ultimately able to accomplish. And when you look at all of the stuff that's happened, the injuries, how Sean is a defensive guy and the defense has not been the reason why this team has lost, then I think that kind of protects those people. But, yeah. I mean, Josh is not going anywhere. Josh Allen is legitimately still, in a year where people are wondering if he needs to be better, still a top five player in the league and an MVP candidate. I would say, Matt, he's he's still put, he's putting up MVP numbers. I know, <laughs> it's amazing. I think I, I, I'm reading last week. I'm hearing people go, yeah, I'm hearing people go. Well, he's hit his ceiling. What's well, a damn high ceiling? Still, it's fine yeah. with me. Like he plays like this every year. Keep mm. it at that ceiling. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird time in the city, and it's a weird time for Bills fans because I think the expectations were high, and I remember after the Dolphins game, which was not that long ago having the conversation of like, is this the best roster that this team has had? And then they just get decimated with injuries and the offense falls asleep. They just do not look nearly as efficient or effective or as dangerous as they have in years past. And I think there's time for them to kind of figure things out. But the fact that they haven't done it against the opponents that they have played does not give me much confidence knowing who they've got coming up against them. They've got eight games left on the season. They got to win a minimum five, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, this team lost to the Patriots. Ten, ten and seven will be will will maybe not even get you in because of their conference record. So when yeah. you say minimum five, it better be mostly AFC games too. Yeah, well, it is mostly AFC games left, right? Besides right, the Eagles right. and Cowboys, really. Yeah, that's true. But I'm saying, like, if you don't get to eleven, if you're going to go with ten. The, the, the ones you drop better not be AFC games. Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing. There's, there is no margin for error. I believe I was looking at the percentages for the playoffs and everything right now. And right now it's about a 50, 50 chance for the bills. Yeah. And if they win against the Broncos, that jumps to 60. If they lose, you know what that goes down to 35, 29. Yeah. Hey everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast. Going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So... To say this is a must-win game is not hyperbole. It's not an overreaction. They have to win this game against the Broncos, and then they have to win against the Jets. And then I think everybody can maybe breathe a little bit at that point because then if that happens, obviously things do not look as bleak. But even if you do win the next two games, it, it is not a slam dunk given everything that's going on in this conference right now. It's a very, very tough year to make the playoffs. Yeah, you still have to rely on some help. But look, I, as I keep saying, despite all of that, because we're talking playoffs, you're pretty much talking wildcard. Despite all of that, they're a half game behind the Miami Dolphins for the AFC East. Mm -hmm. I mean, winning the East might be easier than getting a wildcard, basically, when it comes down to. Was your – I saw the station post a, a poll today. Was that your show or was that – uh, Jeremy and Joe about – wasn't mine. What was it? Would you sign up right now? Oh, for, yeah. 
Bills, Dolphins, Week 18. Winner wins. I didn't division. see the poll. I heard their discussion, though. I heard their yeah. discussion on it. That's fascinating. Yeah. If I told you right now, hey, folks, you know what? We're just going to go to Week 18. It's going to be win the game, win the division, lose the game, out of the playoffs. Same thing for the Dolphins. Would you take it? Absol- what do you, what do you Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I do not take it. No. On the if road? This- on the road against that offense, and I understand, like, you just beat them, and they are paper tigers. A lot of people are saying the Dolphins are frauds. Eventually, they won't be. Eventually, mm-hmm. they're going to beat a team that's got a winning record. You don't want it to be you. I, I don't think the door has closed. on. They're 5-4. and four. I do not think this happens. But there's absolutely a world where they win six of their last eight games. And then at that mm-hmm. point, you've got six losses. Come like 11 and six. If you told somebody 11 and six before the season, I don't think they're freaking out. I know that does not seem feasible right now, but they lost a game to the Bengals that they could have won. And I'm willing to listen to the argument that the Bengals are the best team they are going to play all year, all year. The Eagles are tough. The Cowboys are tough. The Chiefs are tough. I totally get that. But I do really believe that this team can go and win one or two of those games. The other reason why you don't take that scenario, because I wouldn't either, is you're essentially saying you trust them to be in a better spot than that. What you're t- mm-hmm. saying is, I- I'd take my chances with them figuring this out and winning more games and not have to be in that spot, right? If this is 2017 and we're talking like this and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this team. Look what everybody mm-hmm. thought they were tanking. Look where they are right now. And I said, you know what? Would you take one game? You'd be like, absolutely. Oh my God, it's been a 17 year playoff drought. But mm-hmm. not now, not in 2023. As bad as it's looked over the last, you know, they, they've rotated these wins, losses, and they've, you know, they're five and four. I think you're still sitting there going, oh, no, no. Like, I, I at least trust them to be in a better spot than have to rely on that one game winning in and risk losing it all in that game against Miami, which I think is the big picture about how we feel about the team overall, that they still have a talented enough and good enough team to be able to get out of this. Weren't they seven and six after the Bucks game yes. that they lost a couple of years ago in 2021? And I know that the conference is more stacked now than it was then. It didn't. They feel had like- a much easier schedule the rest of the way. But yes, you are completely y- right. Yeah, no, I mean, it was like after that, it was Carolina. It was the Jets. It was the Falcons. It was yeah. not a very difficult finish to the season. I do think, though, for when you look at the standings right now and you go, oh, my gosh, look at all these teams that are ahead of them. I think those teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit. Yes. And I do Good think point. that that will, excuse me, will ultimately help the Bills as they try and climb their way out of this little hole that they've dug themselves into. It's one game. All right, so it's it's legitimately one. The conversation around this team is so much different if they don't lose the Patriots game. And I know that there is no revisionist history here, but if this team was six and three instead of five and four, and their losses were to the Jags, to the Jets week one, and to the um, Bengals who they just lost to. I don't think there's people panicking. I think it's just people like, okay, you got to figure this out soon. But now the conversation is you got to figure it out so you make the playoffs. And that's the thing that makes the stakes that much higher and makes, I think, the stress that much higher for fans. Yeah, well, let's talk about those teams that they're fighting with and what's coming up for them.